Hello, church and ministry leaders. Welcome to the podcast that takes the perplexity out of being a church leader. This is the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, and we're your hosts, Becky and Carrie Holton. Hello, friends, and hello, honey, Holton. Hey, hon. How are you today? Okay. Well, as you know, this episode is part two in the series we've entitled Four Ways to Improve the Post-Pandemic Church. And friends, if you missed last week's episode, we recommend you go back and listen to episode number 75, where we suggest that the post-pandemic church can improve her service to the Lord and to her community by deciding to become a fully hybrid church. Here is an excerpt from that episode. If you live a fully hybrid life and the people you are trying to reach live hybrid lives, why wouldn't you want your church to fully embrace a hybrid ministry that seamlessly slips between physical and digital presence and work on how to make it seamless and connected and good, just like the rest of our lives are? Good question. Rhetorical though it may be. Though it may be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, honey, I was reading not long ago about a church on the West Coast that had listeners to their online streaming worship services in Iowa. And those Iowa listeners decided that they needed to be baptized. So they sent photos of family members who were being baptized in their bathtub to the church on the West Coast that they were listening to every Sunday morning. It was as if the church in California had an extension of their church in Iowa, and it was all due to their online and digital presence. Now, what do you think about that? Shut the front door is what I think. that's right. I mean, well, we've heard of Doctors Without Borders. How about Churches Without Borders? Yeah, baby, Churches (laughs) Without Borders. Let's bring it on. I like that idea. I mean, isn't that the coolest thing ever, sending a picture of family members being baptized in a pool or a bathtub? Sure. Because a church chose to be hybrid. Yes. Well, I think we talked about this earlier, that no longer does worship need the right place, meaning a church building. Now, the place may be not only the church building for in-person, face-to-face worship. Now, also someone's living room or a park or wherever one could pick up a strong Wi-Fi signal. That could be the place for worship. <laughs> right, right. And we're and you'll notice we're not saying one or the other. It's inclusive. It's both. Right, right. Technology has just changed our lives, like it or not. Uh, And churches can embrace rather than resist those changes. In fact, we have to. We can make the most of the opportunities that technology has made possible and that the recent pandemic has sort of, well, it's kind of forced us into it and we can accept it or we can resist it. In our last episode, we encouraged church leaders to once and for all decide to maintain both a physical and a digital presence. Honey, what do you say we discuss a second suggestion for churches as they leave behind the COVID pandemic? Good idea. Let's move on. And we next want to suggest that instead of focusing on bringing people back, church leaders would be well advised to focus on moving people forward. As the post-pandemic world is opening up, many church leaders seem hyper-focused on getting people back to church. Don't you notice that? Yes, I do. 
we do tend to focus on bringing people back. And by the way, shouldn't that be a legitimate concern? Absolutely. You know, the latest studies I've seen show that compared to the first quarter of 2020 and the first quarter of 2021, the in-person average weekly attendance is down by 28%. That's right. So on average, over one quarter of those who attended in-person worship before the pandemic have not come back. And shouldn't we be concerned about that? I think church leaders should be. Absolutely. Of course. Well, church leaders ought to be concerned about bringing people back. After all, the scriptures speak of the importance of the assembly. The weekly assembly is crucial for our spiritual health. And according to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, it's one of the places where we encourage one another to love and good deeds. So we do want to encourage people to come back to the weekly Sunday assemblies. But I think what we are pleading for in this podcast is that bringing people back should not be the church's primary focus. The focus, as you said earlier, should be on moving them forward, bringing people back into a vision, moving people forward is a vision. And we've said before, people will follow a vision. So that's important, I think, to bring into this conversation. Kerry Newhoff writes about this concept in his post, The Coming Church Split. Very interesting um, title for that post. And he offers that one of the splits that will happen in the near future is between church leaders who are focused on recreating, reviving, and restoring older approaches to ministry and those churches that think about how they can facilitate the movement of people forward, moving them toward Jesus and toward spiritual growth, whether or not those approaches, incidentally, are older or new. What do you think about that? I like that. We do think that there are signs that church leaders may be too focused on bringing people back without giving thought to how they might help them to make their next steps toward Jesus and toward spiritual growth. That's key right there. That's Mm -hmm. key. I've heard these sentiments expressed. For example, I've heard someone say, if we could just get a few more people to come back, everything would be okay. Or, I wish we could just see the room full again. Or, we really need to get back to where we were in 2019 before the pandemic rolled in, and then we can move ahead. And we think we need to encourage church leaders to consider once again their mission. What is the mission of the church? If your mission is to make and grow followers of Jesus, let's say based on our Lord's farewell charge to his disciples in Matthew 28, you know, then just bringing people back to the in-person worship assemblies That's just not a big enough mission. It may be a step, obviously, in the right direction, but filling up the building or getting more people in the pews, that's not a worthy mission because we've got bigger and more exciting marching orders from our Lord. Very good. Very good. You know, honey, I guess what we are saying is, well, we're just trying to encourage church leaders to lift up their eyes. Yes. To expand their vision, to see the big picture. We are trying to encourage you church leaders to ask, what can we do to move people from having some interest in Jesus and in spiritual things to becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus? After all, as you said, 
The goal is not to fill the pews. The goal is to make and grow followers of Jesus. Right. And certainly, worshiping together is one of the steps that lead to spiritual maturity or making and growing disciples. But that step really should not be the focus. We only want to encourage church leaders here to focus on the bigger picture. Yes. What we're saying is that church leaders who focus on moving people forward in their friendship with God Instead of just bringing them back to in-person worship assemblies, churches that are led by those church leaders will have a much better future than those who are only focusing on bringing people back. So we're talking about motivation. That's part of it. Is a big part of what we're talking about. So let's get practical. We're saying that church leaders would want to focus on moving people forward rather than just bringing them back. What then should we be encouraging them to do to facilitate this? Well, we've talked about this before, I know, but I would say that the first thing, and we would say that the first thing church leaders need to do in order to move people forward is to recommit themselves and their church to the mission of the church. Right. And to gain alignment from everyone in church leadership, from the staff to the elders to the ministry leaders, to align them on that mission. The first step we would say is let's renew our commitment to what Jesus charged his church to be about when he said, go and make disciples. Right. And I suppose a good second step would be to flesh out a picture of what that means to be a disciple, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We say that a lot, but what does it mean? What does it look like? What are the characteristics of a disciple of Jesus? What do disciples of Jesus believe? Believe. What do they say? What do they do? We need a much clearer picture of what a fully devoted follower of Jesus looks like. You know, I wonder if we have a clear picture of what we're trying to become. If we really know what is what is a spiritually mature follower of Jesus look like? I think that's a it's a big question, but we throw around terms sometimes, and I think the understanding behind those terms may be hollow. Well, I wonder that too. I wonder if we really do have a clear picture of what we are trying to become. And of course, it's so important that we have that clear picture of what we are trying to become. We need to see what we aim to become before we become. We become what we see. Right. So right. We, we need that clear picture of what a fully devoted disciple of Jesus really does look like. Right. And then I think we would offer this third step for church leaders. And we're talking now about ministry staff, shepherds, ministry leaders, and others. I think we would encourage them to put their heads together and think afresh about the programs and strategies that actually move people from a person who makes the decision to follow Jesus to a person who is fully devoted and fully committed to following Jesus. So oh, I like that designation. So so I think church leaders need to consider what are the steps that take a person from one rung to the next, to the next on the ladder of spiritual growth. And once those next steps have been identified, then church leaders will want to design programs and initiatives that really do help people take those next steps toward maturity. 
You know, on this topic, honey, I think our listeners would find this to be a helpful resource. Again, we've mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning again. There's a book out there called Move, What 1,000 Churches Reveal About Spiritual Growth. And that book identifies catalysts that appear to move people from exploring Christ to becoming Christ-centered. So I think that would be a resource that would help church leaders to put together what we're calling this discipleship path. Mm -hmm. Definite, clear steps from exploring Christ, just getting to know Christ, to actually becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus. I need to read that book. I know you've mentioned that several times. I've read a little bit out of it, but you found that to be a very helpful resource. I found it to be very helpful, very useful, and very interesting because the authors of that book are trying to they're trying to conduct some kind of a scientific way of explaining how people grow spiritually. Scientific? Well, scientific, yes. Maybe that's not the right word to use, but what they do is they interview over a quarter of a million believers and over 1,000 churches. Wow. And they try to ask those churches and those believers, okay, tell us what happened to you. How did you grow as a follower of Jesus? What activities, what initiatives, what programs, what actions helped you to grow? I guess they're trying to quantify. They're collecting data. Yes. They're trying to quantify how people actually grow in Christ. And so that resource may actually uh, help church leaders who are trying to find and trying to identify those specific steps that lead to growth. That sounds really interesting because if a church is really committed to something that that book is showing through all the data collection research has, has been minimally helpful to people in their going, as you said, from one rung of growth to the next. That's helpful information. Yes, and you know, just to, just to kind of whet the appetite of our readers for that book or mm-hmm. our listeners for that book, for example, uh, you know, I found it interesting that they said that the chief catalyst for moving people from just taking an interest in Jesus to becoming more of a disciple of Jesus, the chief number one catalyst, this might surprise our listeners, it might surprise you. I feel like we need a drum roll right now. (laughs) (laughs) The chief catalyst was a belief in salvation by grace. Mm. You know, their point was that when people accept the fact that they are saved by God's grace, that they don't earn salvation, that they'll never deserve salvation, but that God is willing to forgive them because of his mercy and grace, then they're willing to think about becoming a follower of Jesus. There's hope in that. Right. There's no hope if it's all up to me. And to mention something else that they learned from their study, they learned the value of Bible study, reading the Bible, hearing the Bible, being taught the Bible. I thought that was an interesting, interesting finding that Bible study is important. Of course, we've been saying that for all of our lives, but to actually quantify it and say, Mm -hmm. this is a catalyst that helps people to grow. I think that's wonderful. Well, there's been a fundamental shift away from that. I think in, in past, in years gone by, there's been a shift away from deep Bible study. And I know you and I have felt great encouragement and great spiritual support from many of the ministers that we listen to through the pandemic and a few in particular that just have a gift to dig deeply in scripture to talk about solutions and hope for our lives right? and that the Bible provides it. It's our job to get in there and learn it. Right. Anyway, 
those are just some of the findings yeah. in this book. Again, we would encourage church leaders to get that book and read it, uh, examine it, and I think it will help them to identify the steps that their people can take to become fully devoted followers. Right. Sounds like there's some good pieces of focus in that for church leaders. So, well, good. I appreciate some information about that. And just by way of review, we have introduced two suggestions for improving the post-pandemic church. And the first one is deciding to become a fully hybrid church, one that has both a physical and digital presence. And then second that we talked about today is focusing on moving people forward rather than focusing on bringing people back. Uh, What do you say we save recommendations three and four for next week's podcast? Good idea. Well, just another word of encouragement that is this, my friends, is a perfect time to rethink, reconsider, and reset. I really kind of like that about where we are with the pandemic. With churches opening up and coming out of the pandemic, it's almost like they have been given a chance to make a fresh new start, and that is exciting. Mm-hmm. It's just very exciting. So rather than just being content with returning to status quo or to the way we did things before the pandemic changed our lives, why not use this moment in time to think about what we are doing and what we're trying to do. Let's not go back to business as usual. Let's not return to a status quo that may have been unproductive. Let's reset. Let's renew our commitment to the mission of the church. And you know, going through this process, church leaders may decide there's a few things they're going to return to. They're going to do similarly. But the good news in that, and the exciting thing is if they do return to a few of those things, those particular things will have gone through the mission filter, and there will be a recommitment and new excitement for uh, serving and continuing whatever those programs are. Good words, hon. Good words. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we believe serving as a church or ministry leader should not be so perplexing. All leaders deserve access to practical support, and anyone can become a more informed, more confident, and more effective leader.